What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to episode number 633 of the Smartout Moment Smack Talk podcast, Hot Tags of the Week. We're going to be breaking down everything that happened in the world of pro wrestling that we feel like talking about from the TV stuff, the rumors, the news, the gossip, the people leaving companies, people joining companies, the injury reports, and so on and so forth. I'm your host as always, Tony Mango, joined as always by Callum Wiggins. Hi. And Robert E. Felice. Hey. And as always, we want you to tell us what you have to say about these topics that we are going to be talking about, too. So by all means, make sure that you chime in with your thoughts on any different platform that you have on here. If you're on YouTube, it's the easiest thing possible. You got the comment section below. And while you're over there, make sure you hit all the good buttons that are on there. The like button, the share button, double check that you are subscribed and also click on that little notification bell. Get your email alerts set up for when we go live for certain things like the uh, post show at the end of the uh, month with the, you know, it's coming around and actually it's almost like next week or something, right? Yeah. Uh, man. It's not almost <laughs> next week. It is next week. <laughs> well, I mean, it's Friday today. So I'm thinking to myself, it's not quite it's a week from away. now, but yeah. Um, snuck up on us. I'm going to have a lot of articles I'm going to have to do that I forgot to do yet. <laughs> uh, we got all that coming up, of course. And if you uh, want to go back and check out the most recent Dark Cast and you want to check out a previous Royal Rumble, we did the 1994, we did the 2014, but we also have the 2004 one over there on the channel membership and the Patreon. So if you want to subscribe on those, obviously that stuff's greatly appreciated. Shout out to Daniel, by the way, newest member of the Dark Cast here from today at uh, like 10 in the morning or something. I got that email or whatever. Awesome uh, for you doing that, Daniel. Thank you very much. Okay, and go Daniel. the uh, Redbubble and Tea Public stuff, uh, I still haven't figured out an alternative to them. I'm always putting that on the back burner just because it's a lot of effort to re-upload all that stuff. But, you know, uh, at some point I'm going to take them off of there because screw them for taking all the money that they do out. But if you want to pick up anything there while you can, Redbubble and Tea Public is where you can find that stuff for all the merch options. And of course, if you click on that little thanks button, it's another means to help us out with a little spare change that you got our way. So thank you to anybody who does that in any means that you do, including just listening to this and hitting the like button. All that stuff's greatly, greatly appreciated. So as you tuned in for this episode, let's start talking about the stuff on this episode. We have, uh, as uh, Callum was referring to it earlier, we were, before we got started, a spicy episode today <laughs> of uh, the hot tags. Yeah, Some pretty interesting topics here. And you know, I mean, on a normal week, we might have one or two of those. We have a, a lot, have pretty big things switching around with contracts and people moving between companies and all. Unfortunately, some injuries to talk about. Uh, on a normal week, that would have been a little bit more boring. We would probably dive deeper into these trademark names and stuff that people are switching up in NXT, but they're all pretty just basic. So our thoughts are pretty much, that's eh, a name, who cares? But um you know, new names happen all the time. And one new name to talk about is Ash by Elegance. Because Dana Brooke and uh, Nick Namath, uh, Dolph Ziggler, for anybody who doesn't know his real name, have joined the TNA roster. And, of course, Namath is a part of the New Japan side of things now, too. We saw that at Wrestle Kingdom. So he's kind of pulling double duty. Dana Brooke, seemingly just in TNA, but, you know, she might have... A, a deal that would allow her to work elsewhere if the you know the other parties were interested and if she was i'm excited in the sense that of course i don't watch tna but 
I like the idea that people can go and you know kind of freshen things up a little bit. And these two seem like they could be good fits for that. I can't say I'm excited about this Ash by Elegance thing, though. Feels a little bit like an even lesser version of the Tony Storm character that I'm not a big fan of. I, I don't know why people keep going there, but it's the the, the the glamorous like um starlet kind of vibe so i mean she might not do things she certainly shouldn't do things exactly like that if she starts having like the black and white filter and everything you know though she's just biting off of it but it gives me similar vibes and uh it's not exactly what i would have wanted but then again i'm not watching it so i'm not as invested um how you guys feeling about these two joining tna are you going further was there a specific something you wanted from brook outside of wwe not necessarily but but you know i mean just because uh i don't have an idea in mind doesn't mean i can't reject other ideas (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's that's the type of thing somebody says what do you want for dinner and you're like i don't know and then they go well what about uh I don't know, burgers, and you're like, I don't feel like eating a burger. And then you're like, you just said you don't know. And you go, yeah, but I don't want a burger. Yeah. By the way, yeah, I'd, I'd be down for a burger tonight. I don't know. <laughs> um, I it should be elegance by Ash, especially when you see that she's doing like the perfume commercial gimmick. And like, you're not Ash by elegance because that would make you're the brand. So the brand should be mm-hmm. Ash, but whatever. It's not going to get bogged down in semantics. It's cool that she's trying something new. I definitely didn't think that she'd be popping up anywhere anytime soon. So I'm excited for her to do that. And quite frankly, WWE had a very specific ceiling for her. So if she can find herself outside of that, I think of like EC3, right? Derek Bateman wasn't really much of anything, but EC3 ended up becoming such a strong character that eventually WWE hired him back to be EC3, and then he kind of flew off the handle, but that's okay. Because, <laughs> you know, he at least got to do something. I'm excited for this run. Um, Ziggler, Nemeth, this feels like it should have happened 10 years ago. I mean, honestly, in terms of where the TNA brand is and where Nick Nemeth is as a performer, it's really serendipitous, but this should have happened a long time ago. And I'm excited to see what he can do, not only there, but in New Japan. And he's going to fight Matt Cardona in GCW on February 3rd, I believe. And I'm excited to see what they do with that. Yeah, I think this is a, it's a good platform for both those two to land. It's, um, it's, it's, there's a bit of a vibrancy and a buzz about TNA now that the the old brand has been restored and so it's a good place for them to get some more eyeballs back on them and to try something a little bit different with nick nemeth it's more of a case of trying to prove that he's still got that fire fire and fire and desire god like, that's the maddie rose and <laughs> the last uh, prominent thing that he really did in in wwe it feels like but um but the yeah that that's still that passion and that drive to be the best and He's clearly going straight into the main event scene of TNA, which is which is fair. He's their big marquee signing, and I'm I'm impressed with the fact that he is doing that. He's going to TNA. He's doing things with GCW. He's doing uh, he's booked for gigs in like Puerto Rico and in um, Australia as well. So he's not just resting on his laurels and waiting for 
just the few people to stump up like huge sums of money for him to come in. He's wanting to, he's wanting to go out there and work. And so, yeah, good for him. Um, Ash by Elegance, I think it's got kind of the jury's out on this one. I think there's like this legion of fans that she had mainly through X, but you know, whether they're actually real people or just bots, it's hard to really tell. But people that were always talking about they, that she should be given more opportunities and uh, she never really got the, the breaks, that's the hard work that she puts in in WWE. So hopefully all of those people have followed her over to see what she'll be doing in uh, Impact Wrestling. And we'll see if, given more exposure and more spotlight, that whether she can uh, deliver. But obviously this is a good opportunity for a good platform for her to do so so let's see if she can prove all the doubts she had wrong hopefully so you know i mean obviously the the better that everybody has going on the better for everybody like there's no uh positive to a negative but my initial reaction is just sort of you know i thought a similar thing to what rob said i was like shouldn't it be elegance by ash and then it was like well i mean that it's a nitpicky thing, but then I'm like, uh, I, this isn't making me want to tune in anymore. But, eh, you know, give it a shot and see what happens. How long I do you guys think it's going to take before they win the titles? <laughs> I think it's cool that, you know, they're trying characters. Because Dana Brooke, well, like, it didn't have a character, really. She was like, hey, I'm Dana Brooke. She had a couple of different characters, but they were all shit. It was like a, she was an accountant for like a couple of weeks with a test war ride. And, I have, you know, uh, statistician. That's what it was. And then uh, she had the, that's not really a character, but for like about like a month, she was teaming with Mandy and it was the whole idea of them being like um, muscular, hot blonde girl tag team. I forget what they call themselves. It was like, um, uh, it's probably somewhere on the market moment, but yeah, she hasn't had much of a character, so it's trying something a little bit different. And yeah. um, I would strap Ziggler immediately. Obviously, like I, he ain't getting any younger. We don't need another Moose Rain. Put it on Nemeth and let him run wild. I think that they messed up by not strapping Cardona when he was there because he went on to just be the talk of the town in twenty twenty one. 2022 so i thought that that was a mistake so hopefully you know nick namath really uh knocks it out of the park and they can have a top star there uh, ash by elegance i'm not so sure because i think they have a stacked women's division as they always have with their knockouts and maybe it's going to take a little bit longer but maybe by slam anniversary which is july Ziggler, I'd put it on immediately, and I'm going to call him Ziggler until... Yeah, he's going to be Ziggler pretty much forever. <laughs> and it's going to be hard to not call her Dana Brooke. By the way, the uh, the former Zigzag is now called the Danger Zone, which is a better name than the Knickknack, so I think we we won that. Well, uh, he couldn't call it the Knickknack, because that's not really much of a patty whack type of move. Are you saying <laughs> that you would want to get that dog <laughs> You talking about uh, Ash by <laughs> It's an obvious joke. I had, I had to make it. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's um, that was the big uh, hard to kill reveal. Uh, 
with you know Ziggler coming out at the end there and all. Uh, anything else from Hard to Kill you guys feel like talking about? I mean, I, I know that like there were obviously there were some title changes and all, but we sort of talked ahead of time about the idea that Naomi would be dropping the belt. And yes, she's still Naomi to me. Uh, and maybe um, she is going to be ready in time for the Royal Rumble. Maybe not based off of some tapings and some other things. The, her, the taping in Orlando is today and tomorrow. No, oh, so she might be good then. Yeah. I mean, Which, by the way, I uh, I got to get on that this weekend, I guess, so that the uh, Royal Rumble predictions contest thing. <laughs> I'll publish that as soon as I can. Uh, I'll probably publish it by the time that it's uh, this podcast po- is up on there. But, um, you know, if you're interested in putting up uh, your betting odds when it comes to thinking that she will be in the Royal Rumble and she'll be like number eight or whatever it might be, you know, we'll have that thing up for the course of the next week. Yeah, other like uh, you know, the Crazy Steve won that digital media championship. So on and so forth. I thought the saddest thing about that was somebody had tweeted, I can't take DNA seriously. Tommy Dreamer is a champion there. And then he DM'd them, I lost. You can take them seriously now. <laughs> That's pretty sad. <laughs> I like Dreamer's harmless in my eyes. Um yeah, that, that was good. I thought the X Division title match with Sabin and Vikingo and Kushido was a lot of fun. I thought Hammerstone and Alexander really brought it. I thought Alexander and Osprey on the subsequent episode of TNA Impact brought it. Um, it was a really strong showing for TNA. I thought it was good stuff all around. Oh, and uh, Top Dalla is feuding with Joe Hendry there. So, is that? I did see that little video where he's making fun of him falling and all. That's kind of funny. Anything you on your end about uh, yeah, the hard to kill stuff, Cal? I haven't seen hard to kill, so I wouldn't be able to comment on it. Do you watch Battle in the Valley? Yes, I did, yeah. Correct. Okay, so we could uh, switch on over to that because that's got a couple different things in a very similar fashion to hard to kill where... Some people are popping up there that hadn't been in the company before. You got some uh, title situations that are pretty interesting. And then, of course, I'm sure that there are elements to this that are completely lost on me that are more interesting, too. But uh, what are your big takeaways when it comes to this? Um, So I I didn't watch or didn't really pay a huge amount of attention to most of the early matches because they didn't really matter too much, apart from the opener, which was uh, notable for one particular reason, which is not the the victory for Fred Rosser, Jacob Fatu and Shota Umino over over Team Filthy, but it was what happened afterwards, which was Shota Umino was um, giving some high fives to fans around the ringside and then one of them in the mask uh, jumped him. And the security got involved because, uh, and at least what is being reported, security had no idea who this was and were not uh, smartened up to the idea that this was uh, Jack Perry revealing the mask, uh, attacking Shota Rumino, and then coming out into uh, the ring and revealing an AEW contract, which he promptly tore up. And then, and then yeah, that's uh, that's... Probably the most noteworthy thing from the entire show. And then he put out an armband that read scapegoat. Oh, oh yeah, put in the armband that said scapegoat as well. So I guess this is his new gimmick. I I presume that this is 
a signal of a work or obviously the working relationship between New Japan and AEW is that Jack Perry is now going to apply a new character, still probably employed by AEW, to be in New Japan for a while instead and I guess rehabilitate and create a new character off the basis of the fact that he was in kayfabe let go by AEW due to his involvement in the CM Punk incident. So that's that's an interesting way. I'm 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 certainly more in favour of this than him being the devil, which was a lot of people's speculation. So this could be I haven't been super enamoured with the heel turn so far, so this could be a new interesting direction. And let's face it, especially with uh, with other news that we're talking about later on, uh, New Japan could use all this star power they can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I'm a, for, for those of you that are not privy to our conversations, I'm currently sharing with the guys what I think is a visual illustration of current relationship between AEW and New Japan, because let me tell you something, I was excited for this. And I thought it was great for Jack Perry, by the way, should never shave. He looks like so much older and so much more serious with the beard. I know beards in general are a little played out, but he looks pretty good with that. Uh, This would be a lot more effective to me if Punk actually got fired. Like... And, you know, or if he didn't get fired, I should say. Because, well, how are you the scapegoat when the other guy got so fired that he's already about to man event WrestleMania? What are you the scapegoat for, exactly? Yeah. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the the way the scapegoat thing approaches is that, that he was also punished for what, at least by a lot of the reports that came out, was essentially just Punk going after him. And so the fact that he was also punished and also... Um, and based on this, the story is going to be that he was kicked out of AEW. Because that is, that is the angle they're taking. The angle they're taking is that he either left or he, or he was fired from AEW as a result of this. So I think that, um, yeah, as I say, I'm interested to see wh- what direction that takes him in New Japan because he's clearly entering a feud, at least initially with Shota Rumino, who's one of the new hot prospects in New Japan. So... So yeah, I think this is a good, a good move for him. The good thing about that is that puts him in Moxley's pathway and allows for a potential story to develop there. But I think he's going to thrive. He had to get away from AEW because there, there was nothing going on there. He turned heel. They gave him a classical piece as a music, as interesting music, but they didn't really do anything. And now. We get to see what Jack Perry can actually do outside of the nonverbal Tarzan Jungle Boy gimmick and the Jack Perry that we would later see develop in AEW. You know, there's other stuff from uh, Valley in the Valley that was notable. Um, as I expected, Julia retained the New Japan Strong Women's title over Trisha Dora. So... We're still, it's still very much nothing's really changed. She's still expected to go to WWE. That's been there's a report that went out um, sometime last or this week or early last week about how AEW had not made any uh, play for Julia because for some reason uh, Tony Khan or people behind the scenes in AEW don't uh, rate her significantly highly. So I think it's pretty much a one horse race about who signs her. Um, tag team match. Uh, Jeff Cobb was. Uh, Matt Riddle's mystery 
tag team partner and they defeated uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel in their match. Um, interesting result was um, Eddie Kingston versus Gabe Kidd for the um, AEW Triple Crown, Continental Crown, with um, ended in a double count out. With a, a giant brawl taking place between um, like Eddie Kingston and other members of a Bullet Club, so presumably Game Kid is is going to get another opportunity at some point, and that might happen in in New Japan, in another maybe a more like Japan New Japan crowd, because uh, I don't imagine Game Kid is going to AEW off the back of this. But but well, I don't know, his, strange things happened. His deal is coming up too. Are all, all the War Dogs deals coming up? Yeah, but then. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get to it when we get to it, but I, I, I doubt that that's the move that's going to be made. Um, and then there were two awesome matches at the end of it with uh, John Moxley and Shingo Takaki in an absolutely excellent no disqualification match with Moxley getting the victory, as would be anticipated. And then uh, one of the... Well, I, I guess we'll move on to this now. So the the, the final <laughs> match was um, uh, Kazuchika Okada defeating Will Ospreay in a... Uh, in a singles match, which was supposed to be uh, Will Ospreay's Swan's, well, his final singles match and Swan Song from New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, little did we know that a few days later it would be it would come out that it's like, this won't be Okada's final match in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but it will be one of, one of the final matches. <laughs> and we could maybe be seeing this match somewhere down the road in an AEW ring, but we'll 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 come cross that bridge when it comes to it. But yeah, so it was a very it was a very good show. Like some really really good matches on this, and it's a very noteworthy show for probably reasons that New Japan wish it wasn't for. So, but yeah, should we should we just get into that topic now because it's big enough? To, yep. Uh, oh yeah, that I is, think of that. That's the biggest story of the week, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean it's a uh, it's a surprise to me honestly because we were talking about this obviously over the past few weeks that there had been rumblings that Okada might want to leave and. You know the ins and outs of that and you hear a lot of chatter about that with a lot of people over time that ends up not being true or it ends up being blown out of proportion or the amount of times we had heard for instance like randy orton might leave and go to aew and then it was like yeah he was never interested it was just a ploy to get more money we talked about it somewhat recently um about the idea that yeah that's probably what's happening with okada he's probably just renegotiating his contract and he's interested in hearing what everybody else has to offer but he'll stay in new japan and for it to now be like no he's gone it's just a matter of where else is he going to go next because he's not retiring he's you know going to be going to another company you got to assume of course that he would be leaning more towards AEW or WWE rather than TNA. He did just pop up for them though. So it's not like it's entirely outside of the realm of possibility, but given the options, every single time that somebody has had a working relationship with AEW, they've gone to AEW. I don't remember any instance where somebody opted to go to WWE in this kind of environment because WWE's only had people like uh, what her name was, I think Elena Black before she became uh, Cora Jade, and like Fallon Henley had been there in you know AEW dark matches for Priscilla Kelly. Kelly, like the dark match people, they eventually came to WWE because they weren't getting contracts from W uh, from AEW. 
Batty Rankowski just recently, you know, signed to WWE. Shout out to NXT this week. Actually did a pretty good job. We'll talk about that. Um, but the the people like Will Ospreay and you know Jay White and all the people that are like the quote unquote big name gets that you can potentially sign if they've worked with AEW before and they've wrestled at Forbidden Door or they've wrestled at some you know guest spot on Dynamite, they always end up in AEW. So my brain just instinctively goes, oh okay, well Okada's going to get a huge money offer from Tony Khan. He is going to work with the same group of people that he's been working with, and that's it. But it's not like it's a guarantee. And if WWE is interested in them enough, you know, maybe they end up making enough of an offer that we could see Okada wrestle at WrestleMania. I I saw, I believe it was Jeremy Lambert put out the absolutely hilarious idea of Cody doesn't win the Rumble. But he has nothing going into WrestleMania and then gets informed by Triple H that he has a mystery opponent <laughs> and it's just Okada and Okada beats him in three straight pay-per-views. Um, I, I heard one person put out there, what if Okada is uh, going to go up against Gunther? Which I still think it's just oh going to be Brock Lesnar, but like, I mean, yes, but- I'd be interested. And, you know, people, of course, are talking about like fantasy matches on both sides you know okada versus aj styles to redo that feud okada up against you know the handful of talent from aew of course and i'm interested that's for sure i mean i think it's gonna be aew you know but there it's kind of like looking back on it now have they been keeping shinsuke strong so that he can tell his good buddy Okada, like, hey, come have fun. You know? Um, Okada, I saw someone say, why would you want this for him? Look at Tazawa, and somebody replied, somebody tell this person how tall Okada is, because Okada's a decently sized dude. He's He could fit in, in the WWE main event scene from a poster perspective. And there's Plus. quite a few matches I'd like to see him have there. But ultimately, I do think it's going to be AEW, and I do think if you think about the trade-off of like, okay, we couldn't make it work with Punk, but we have Osprey and Edge and Okada and Diana and maybe Sasha Banks too. Like, this could be a banner year for AEW in terms of pickups if they do Okada, and I assume that they which also, like, for anybody that would be thinking he's going to fall into the Tozawa or Funaki or, you know, Yoshitatsu type route, not only is the size something that is a big factor, it's also we're more in a Triple H regime now than in the prior years. And on top of that, there's just a level of star power. Like, Shinsuke Nakamura came into NXT as a big deal. And even though they screwed things up eventually with him and they ended up not having him, you know, win the Royal Rumble and win at WrestleMania or but his first year on the main roster. He did win the Royal he Rumble. He won the Royal Rumble and fought for the title of WrestleMania and he's won multiple mid card titles. They push him back up here and there. And I think that if Okada were to come to WWE, I think he'd be totally safe. Like they would put him on the main roster. They wouldn't do the whole NXT thing. He'd be feuding with Maybe like a Nakamura to start off with, you know, just to kind of get his feet wet. And 
they'd have him in matches against Ricochet and they'd have him in matches against, uh, you know, Drew McIntyre down the road and whatever. Like he'd be treated Randy, like a, that, yeah. That's a match I want to see Randy and. Yeah, they they'd give him a decent spot. They wouldn't just saddle him with some stupid gimmick and uh, you know job him out on main event or something. <laughs> but I'm definitely thinking he's more heading towards AEW, just Absolutely. because it's it's too hard to look at the track record and then just assume he's going to go. Nah, I think I'm going to go to WWE. But then again, you know, I mean, some people they want to check off wrestling at WrestleMania. And you can't do that in AEW just as much as you might want to keep wrestling at whatever that level is that AEW has more than WWE has. It depends on what its priority is. If it's just pure money, then it depends on who offers him the most amount of money and the most amount of free time and the most amount of, you know, the easy travel or, you know, any of those factors. And if it's just a matter of, I want to wrestle at WrestleMania, then he's got to go to WWE. If he just wants to wrestle with some friends of his, he's probably got more in AEW. I know Callum wants him in AEW. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Really? Whoa. Hey, whoa. Um, and before, before this point as well, I don't want him in WWE either. Huh. I I'm you want him in really, NWA? Okay, it's it's been no, said. <laughs> I'm I'm really frustrated that it's all come to this. First of all, I wanted to at least talk about the fact that now that we know he's going, I do agree that AEW is most likely destination. <laughs> By all counts, with the uh, Wrestling Observer newsletter reporting this, they're saying that uh, he's developed a strong friendship with Brian Danielson off the back of their couple of matches they've had. He's a good friend to Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. He's been to AEW beforehand. He's been on television there. He knows how the system works. By all accounts, Tony Khan is willing to let him continue to live in Japan if he wants to and just bring him in as and when he needs to. Um, so to try and accommodate his lifestyle in the same way that he's done with Will Ospreay, that Ospreay can continue to live in the UK and just fly in and out as and when he's required to do so. Uh, whereas, obviously, if he were to go to WWE, Things have changed from a creative perspective. I, I certainly do not agree with people's mindset of the that he would be plunged into the Japanese stereotype that persisted decades ago because of what we have seen with Oshinsuke Nakamura and Damage Control being like one of the most featured acts on SmackDown. It's clearly being non-American is not the hindrance it once was on someone's career in WWE. So I have no doubt that he would be treated with uh, respect and prominently pushed if he was in WWE in the same way that he would be pushed as a as a living legend that he frankly is in AEW because of his history there. And yeah, I'd say if he's had good interactions with Tony Khan and he's got friendships over in AEW, the likelihood is that that's probably his his destination. Where the perspective that I'm coming from of the frustration is what the absolute fuck is happening to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Right. Like that is the big the big sticky point. It's the one that we wouldn't take the, the most obvious perspective from as fans of most prominently both uh, WWE and AEW as the things that we cover the most um, ardently. Of course, we don't see Okada wrestle in one of these two promotions from just a pure fan perspective because we're more likely to see them. Tony doesn't watch New Japan. I watch New Japan like fairly regularly, but not as often as I used to. Rob's probably in the same boat as me in that respect. And of course, it's so, matches we haven't seen before, so... Are you more interested in watching Akata go up against um, Tanahashi 
another six times this year or are you interested in him fighting people like uh i don't know like uh christian cage or um you know samoa joe or uh whoever on the wwe front yeah yeah i yeah but um but the main aspect of this is just how poorly this has all been handled by new japan and what it kind of says about the state of the promotion right now when your top star your biggest star you you don't push the boat out to keep him I'm not saying that maybe Okada is just was just completely done with New Japan and said he needs to try something else. So I can't say that they probably didn't make a play to keep him, but it does say something when if what what does it what is this kind of like statement that it puts out there to the rest of the people on the roster of New Japan that you 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 don't do everything in your power to keep hold of the the biggest star that you have, the biggest star that you've had for generations, arguably. And the fact that, yeah, even changing the presidency and hand over to Hiroshi Tanahashi away from a guy that's apparent, well, at least um, reportedly, Okada was not um, on great terms with. He's in good terms with Tanahashi. I mean, Tanahashi's going to be his um, his final singles match. But that's also the other point, is that if you, for any reason you had reason to suspect that Okada might be leaving at the end of this year, why did you not use his final year to its full potential? The, the biggest issue is that with New Japan right now is that they're in a very difficult holding period and they've kind of stagnated and frozen in place. And they've got a lot of really interesting, young, dynamic talent there. But they've been held down and they've been kept in the, the mid card and the lower reaches of the card in favour of the status quo, pushing guys like Sonata that have been there for ages and kind of giving them their... Their, their gold watch as a world as a world title reign when realistically they didn't do anything they weren't stand out enough to um deserve it and continuing with people like evil towards the top and you know still pushing guys like tanahashi and naito and people that have just been at the top of the card in new japan for a, a decade or longer and this was an opportunity like if you had any inkling or had the belief that Okada might not sign with New Japan, you could have utilised this year to have him feud and lose to some of these up-and-coming stars in order to propel them to the next level. Like, utilise your top star on his way out. In the same way that Osprey is losing people on the way out of New Japan, and he, he lost to Josh Alexander in in a TNA uh their first show of this past week just to demonstrate how much he's willing to put the people in the promotions that have given him opportunities and given him like bookings uh, to on his way into AEW so it's just a clear sign of a lack of planning a lack of like just control at the top poor management which is seemingly plaguing a lot of New Japan, poor booking, poor foresight. Um, clearly, the allure of America and the financial benefits there is too strong for anything that New Japan to compete with. They would be praying that he goes to AEW because that is the only opportunity they'll ever get to have Okada appear on their shows moving <laughs> forward. Yeah. But, but, but then there's also the big sticky point here is that we're talking about, oh, there's lots of like dynamic new matches and we think that 
both AEW and WWE would treat Okada well if he was to go over there, and I have no doubt that would be the case. But the bigger issue is these two companies don't need Okada. New Japan needs Okada. And what and, and they will survive and they'll move on and they'll find other people to move forward, but it's it's becoming a difficult situation where you know, before AEW came around in the first place, we bemoaned a monopoly in pro wrestling, which was that WWE is the only big name in town, and so eventually all the biggest names of every single other promotion is going to go to WWE. Now there's two, which is better, but it's still not great. Because now, I think we've all been in agreement both WWE's and AEW's rosters are incredibly bloated. Pretty much, yeah. There's too, there is too much talent on both of those rosters, which means that unless you're one of the absolute top names that always feature at the head of the card, whether that is in WWE or Roman Reigns, your Seth Rollins, your Cody Rhodes, and AEW, your likes of um, MJF and Chris Jericho and... Hangman Page, people of that ilk, then you are kind of, despite your talent and a lot of the young, up-and-coming, exciting names you have in both those promotions, there's always going to be a level of, I guess, inconsistency and um, inability to make the regular appearances and pick up the regular wins you need to move up the card and elevate your status because... There's just too many people and they need to have TV time. People already bemoan the fact that on like all AEW shows, there's only one one women's match typically on every show. Like, is adding Okada to it going to solve that problem? No, of course not. And frankly, adding more women is not going to solve that problem either because you've still got you've arguably got too many women as it is already to even do that stuff, and you've got way too many men to cut out those segments to give more time to the women. And you're just adding more and more and more. And yeah, it is exciting. It is super exciting to hear names like Will Ospreay and Mercedes Monet and Adam Copeland and Kazuchika Okada potentially going to AEW and also all these people potentially going to WWE as well. But now it's now the time. We need number three to step up. We need a number three to step up and give opportunities to the people that are being underserved by both of these promotions. And hopefully TNA is that, but we can't but it's hard to trust TNA. <laughs> the track think, record of TNA definitely speaks to not investing too much positivity in there, even though they're, you know, they're on an upper swing right now, but it's like, how long is that going to last? <laughs> Without knowing the ins and outs, I think we apply Tony's urge to merge. We could somehow merge like TNA and their presentation and MLW and its presentation. I think you'd end up with something that could be a really strong number three. I think TNA is on its way to doing that right now, but Callum is right. It is concerning that, like, I saw a video. I saw one of the AEW video packages from 2021 where they were spotlighting, like, Nyla and Private Party and all these people, and I was like, oh, this is just a different company. Completely. You know, and well, it's cool to see them elevate in terms of, you know, hey, they got Tony Storm and all these people they didn't have before. It does suck for the Nylas and the private parties that came here thinking, oh, cool, there's a path for us now. 
and and obviously all promotions evolve new talent becomes available certain people that you had as as big prospects in 2019 or 2020 don't live up to their full potential that's always going to happen but it's more just the case of if you just keep adding more and more bulk to either roster it just means that if someone is coming in and he's immediately taking a top spot it means that other people that were heading towards that top spot have to take a a back seat Mm. so what does that mean for your ricky starks your daniel garcia's your um flights your people that you still have seemingly at least because you utilized a lot of vested interest in but has the has the glass ceiling added another layer to it by bringing a carder in? And the same thing would happen with WWE. WWE is different because WWE is more of a a machine. As Triple H has always said, there's always he, he tries to treat it as a a play, and there's always people to fill certain roles. And so a carder would just come in and you know potentially take the role of someone else. But what does that mean for? Certain people like does that is that is that a good thing for someone like an Austin Theory that Okada comes in because it's someone new to work with, or is it just someone else for Austin Theory to lose to in his like seemingly endless quest to never get over? Honestly, so, I look at Okada in WWE and I see him taking the role of in terms of schedule of an edge where they wouldn't have him year round; they'd have him orderly and make him this okay you come in and be our top star that people know you and it's almost like having that replacement for edge or that replacement for john or someone who's on the level of punk and that's not a bad thing it's just still always going to mean that this roster as it sits is less than oh there's also like there's a realistic thing to keep in mind too that like as much as we and a lot of other people would be like, man, it'd be cool to see Okada go up against these people and have these matches. Okada's not going to make or break an entire thing on his own. Like the vast majority, I would say, of the casual audience from WWE would have almost no idea who he is. The smarky people, you know, the ones that follow stuff would, and they'd be like, oh, this is awesome. Akata's here. Like, this is so cool. But they would have to still re-educate people, and they, would, they wouldn't be able to take Okada, for instance, and put him on, like, a you wrestle five times a year thing, and we're treating you as the next big thing, and that's it, because you just have the star power immediately. It wouldn't quite translate the same. In AEW, they can do that, but in AEW, the fans want to see these people wrestle all the time. So if they were to just be like, okay, well, they're in here and it's another one of those guys, how many more of those guys are going to be there without it necessarily mattering? Like, yeah, Jay White's a fun wrestler to watch, but when Jay White came in, did we see any bump up from the ratings, really? It's another good guy that they have on the roster and they can, yeah, he can win a title at any point. And I'm sure the AEW fans would be cool with it. And he's a good option to put in the Continental Classic and to, you know, pull out for like any kind of match. But is that going to take AEW to the next level or is it just going to add another Claudio to the mix? You know what I mean? And yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll at least caveat with this saying. 
Okada deserves this. Deserves to get this treatment. Whatever his yeah the, uh, yeah this treatment and whatever this big pay package is going to get because he's going to earn a lot whichever way he goes to, and he's been by all reports at least grossly underpaid by New Japan. I'm not saying they have they don't pay they never paid him well. It's not like he's um, feeding off scraps or anything like that. But he's for a guy who at least two people within the know in the wrestling community is a bona fide legend, one of the greatest wrestlers to ever live for the particular style that he works. Um yeah, he's he's not earning anywhere near as much as like even some people in the not even like the top names of WWE and AEW, but the people probably on the tier below both of those two he's probably not even has never been made that much. So I was reading something that said, you know, a lot of it could also have to do with the fact that the yen mm. just falling, and that's that's the case with a lot of the Gaijin stars, as I was mentioning like last week yeah. about them saying about their contracts becoming up due because if they're trying to spend the money in America or the UK or somewhere else, um, just doesn't go it, as far. Exactly, yeah. So they have to earn more, but and New Japan willing to pay that much more, and now they're losing one of their top homegrown stars. Just um, yeah. It just seems like everything is not. I don't say like it's completely falling apart in New Japan, but I mean, we mentioned last year about how difficult a year it was for AEW with a lot of things that are happening with them and how they're creative and a lot of the direction seems to be muddled. Like New Japan, over since the pandemic, have been all over the place, and. It's it's just because we don't cover it as often or as ardently that we don't probably don't recognise it that much. But they probably make AEW's issues over the past like year mm-hmm. and a half or so like pale into insignificance compared to what they're going through both on screen and behind the scenes. And yeah, as I I just I think that there are obvious benefits of having Okada go to either AEW or WWE interesting matchups see him personally getting that opportunity and but i think they're also it's going i don't say it'll have a net negative effect but it will have a negative impact on other people within the wwe and AEW like stratification of things to um that people will overlook because of how big a star okada is and how interesting the move is but it's also it's also one of the benefits of having like this quote-unquote wrestling war it's like you have interesting stories and pickups and uh contract news regarding this that we never really got with just a a single entity monopoly that we previously had and before we move on as well i just wanted to um i thought this was quite like just a funny little tidbit as well um so on japanese twitter it actually wasn't okada's name that was um trend on twitter it was his, it was his wife's name uh-huh. That was her trending on Twitter because everyone was kind of concerned that because of this news that she would be moving away from Japan and going to the USA. So, so clearly it also is just an indication that a god is a big star for us in the wrestling bubble, but for just the more general Japanese audience, is actually his wife is the biggest star. Yeah, it never, it never changes, does it? We can never have a win. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that might be one of the bigger factors that people aren't paying as much attention to is just like if his wife is such a big star over there and if he 
of course, uh, wants to stay in Japan. And, you know, if AEW, for instance, is more willing to have him just fly out when necessary at WWE, he's like, we really need you over here, pal. That could be the deciding factor, even if the money isn't necessarily as good on one end. It's, uh, there's a lot to be said about the unknowns that we aren't going to know ever, let alone the things that we don't know right now. And, one thing that we can be sure about, essentially, is he's not popping up in the Royal Rumble because his deal's not over until at least the 31st, if I'm correct, right? Correct. So that's like, okay, he's not going to be at the Royal Rumble for anybody who's thinking, like, you know, maybe there's a chance that he pops up as a guest there. I mean, look, crazier things have happened, but it's not happening. I mean, okay, let's. Here's a fun segue. If we are in a position where your current Monday Night Raw World Heavyweight Champion cannot compete at WrestleMania, are you like frantically like, please, we'll do this. Just we need a big match for Punk. You know, like that was, well, a- that was one of the big things that was in the um again being reported by the Observer newsletter is that the um the recent um quite um i guess rev- like more notable push of shinsuke nakamura over the last few months was almost wwe sending out a message to a guy like okada saying hey we we push japanese guys yeah just like so <laughs> nakamura was basically a pawn in their attempt to sign okada i don't blame them for trying to do something like that though i mean that's got to be you know one of the few ways that you can illustrate that on television because you can't just like have a character come out there and go, man, if Okada was here, <laughs> like, yeah. they can't, can't pull that Shinsuke off. Shinsuke and Okada, they were chaos stablemates. And if we had a better set of tag team champions, I'd, and we, I thought that was a possibility, I'd be pitching like, okay, cool, Nakamura and Okada against Sammy and Kevin. You know, like just throw out a name. Because I think there is a lot of fun things he could do there. He's one of the few stars from New Japan that I think could actually translate well in the WWE environment. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how they plan on wherever he goes, how he pops up. If he's going to just be... You know, we get some Tony Khan announcement that says, hey, we've got a big announcement coming. And then at at something like uh, on an episode of Dynamite, he just shows up and it's like, yep, we signed Okada. Or if WWE ends up being able to seal him and they do some kind of press conference thing to because I think that that's probably what they would do to try to make it be like, you know, like we got this big signing and we're really excited to have him in on the team. Uh, I I want him to go to WWE for the sense that I've, I know what I would get out of him in AEW and I'm curious what WWE would do with him, but I expect him to be in AEW. If you had to say like a want and an expectation, whether they're the same or different, where would you guys land? Probably. I think I I expect him in AEW. I I think I'd probably say I want him in AEW just because that, that'll go a long way in the quote-unquote 
restoring of the feeling. It's just that idea that like AEW was supposed to be the American answer to New Japan, and now you have Mr. New Japan. So that's a really great move. Obviously, as someone that doesn't watch WWE week to week, <laughs> I would want and expect him to be in AEW. I was also just just mentioning like the Forbidden Door aspect of it as well, which just uh, it is quite crazy that pretty much over the course of the last two years, they've signed, they, well, if they do end up signing a card, they will have signed their biggest Japanese star and then their arguably their biggest two Gaijin stars of the last decade as well in both Will Ospreay and Jay White. So... So yeah, it's almost to the point of like, maybe Forbidden Door is now kind of, I don't say like it's lost, it's going to lose a lot of its luster, but it's almost a case of, well, Forbidden Door might as well just be an AEW pay-per-view. I mean, it's kind of already felt like that to me already um, just this past year, but yeah, they would argue obviously that that's not the case because the maybe, whole point of it's maybe, supposed to be that it isn't. <laughs> Maybe, maybe in order to try and restore that feeling to a degree, they need to invite some other uh, promotions to take part in it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like you could classify it as Forbidden Door, but not have the AEW X New Japan thing. It could be just labeled, you know, Forbidden Door. Then you could add whatever the other companies are each year. You know, AEW X TNA X uh, MLW, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'd still like to see WWE try to do something like that, but I don't think that they're in the mindset that they would ever want to promote another company that much. They would just be I mean, like, they, well, you know, you can come over here and we can use your people and fuck off after that. But I mean, they've made some baby steps with all Japan Pro Wrestling. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, but I'm always quite... And again, I know it's a different regime nowadays, but I'm always so wary about it because usually when WWE starts doing that kind of cross promotion or at least like making steps towards working with our promotion, but the, the end goal is to swallow that promotion whole. Yeah. So I'd always kind of, and until they can prove that they won't do that, I'd rather that no one was doing that with WWE. So. <laughs> so that's definitely somebody to pay attention to. Um, somebody else that is switching to another company now that is, you know, it's a big deal for the people that follow those companies and it's, you know, maybe a lesser deal compared to Okada in the grand scheme of things, but black Taurus is going to be heading to AEW. Maybe not necessarily under the name black Taurus. Apparently the name is owned by AAA, and the, uh, yeah, possibility that it could just be some other name or his real name or, they give him a you know a variation of that. He's Dark Taurus or he's Black uh, Tauros, <laughs> whatever. I don't know, but um, the little bit that I've seen of him, I had said before that I I liked you know the match or two that I've seen of him before. I didn't end up seeing his match at the last ROH show since that was a whole big mess, and you know we covered that before. But um, yeah, as far as bringing him in. I see only a benefit to that. Do you guys see that? Yeah, I think it's a. I think it's a. It's a good move for him. Of course, um, I say I think that there's always been a bit of. Um, I'm just talking about other companies that are just like creatively in all over the place and quite uh, 
reckless behind the scenes as well. Triple A getting out of that and going to a to a Ring of Honor. Presumably, I, I assume that it, no, it's obviously AEW slash Ring of Honor, but I think that he'll most likely be a fixture on Ring of Honor instead. Um, bigger fish in smaller pond. Um, yeah, I thought his match with the Kingo was excellent at the um, at the final battle show. I think that um, he almost, in many ways, outshined the Kingo in that match. Uh, he's, super, he's super talented. He's a big guy, but he moves really quickly. He does plenty of like flips and additional stuff, but has the the power gain to add a different dimension to him. Uh, yeah, I think that if he does stick on the Ring of Honor side of things, I don't see him like being consistently pushed towards titles immediately straight away. But I think that he'll have plenty of great matches. For the most part, that's what I'm I'm there for. So, so yeah, I think this is a good move. I think it's just one of many other ones which won't be announced or won't get the All Elite graphic for a while yeah. until they decide that they're going to, you know, put him in a more significant angle in the same way that I think, and I'm probably not alone in this, but I think that both Brian Keefe and um, Queen Aminata have signed mm-hmm. with AEW but they're just not going to say the all elite thing until they start winning some matches. Cause at the moment they're just, they're just enhancement talent at the moment. Which at that point, usually that means that they're not necessarily going to get that all elite graphic. It'll just be assumed that they're a part of the roster and one day mm-hmm. they'll pop up on the not updated enough <laughs> the uh, roster page on the AW website. I've said it before a million times, AW's got to get their shit together with that. Like the the photos page doesn't have a link to it and all. It, it's uh, nuts. But um, yeah, I expect that you'll just see him show up on Ring of Honor more often and do some you know guest spots on like Rampage, Dynamite, Collision, that kind of thing. But if they would want to do the all league graphic, they probably would have done it already. Or at least maybe they will once they figure out what his name is going to be. Maybe that's what's holding off a little bit. Maybe they need to like officially purchase the rights to the Black Taurus name. And that way they can say Black Taurus is all elite as opposed to, well, we signed the guy that is Black Taurus, but we can't really say that, you know. What do you think about that whole uh, Black Taurus signing, Rob? It's, It's a good one. It's a good one for ROH in particular. Um, I think Tony has tried to build a nice lucha community there. <laughs> a good lucha and, thing? <laughs> and he is kind of building a good lucha thing. And Taurus is a solid hand. I thought he would have ended up in TNA if he was leaving. But he spent most of his time in the States in TNA. That's really interesting. Um, I think it'll be really, really strong for the company. I want Ring of Honor to get its own identity. We took some steps. This week, because the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions were actually on the Ring of Honor program. However, Claudio Castagnoli was also on the Ring of Honor program, which just made me mad because he was never there when he was Ring of Honor Champion. (laughs) You know, um, yeah, I really wish that ROH had a bit more of its own thing. I'm glad Tony rescued it, but I'll always feel like I would have preferred it to be its own entity. So as far as like new signings and stuff, those are the only things that I have uh, on my track record for this. Um, track record's the wrong term. Uh, <laughs> on uh, record for this thing. But let's pivot over to some other different things we have that aren't related to contracts. Let's 
talk about this uh, Grayson Waller and L.A. Knight appearance <laughs> on the Sunrise talk show in Australia. They're trying to hype up, obviously trying to build up um, interest in getting more sales for Elimination Chamber coming up in February. So they make an appearance on this talk show and you know, a run of the mill type of thing. And we essentially get another Vader and Undertaker situation from back in the day where LA Knight is in the Undertaker spot, Grayson Waller's in the Vader spot. And these talk show hosts are, you would think that they would learn their lesson from you know history, but they don't care enough to, I guess, pay attention to that stuff. They're doing the whole like, ah, oh, well, it's fake, but hit me with your finisher. And Grayson Waller is, I like how he, he approached this. He's just like, you are disrespecting this whole business that we're doing. And if you want me to punch you in the face, I'm going to fucking punch you in the face. And you're not going to like it. And then we're going to have a problem. So this isn't some fake thing that I'm just going to not hit you. I'm going to fucking deck you. And they're all like, you know, let's get the cameraman out here and all. I'm very glad, of course, that it didn't come to him actually doing something that he would get in trouble for, you know, some lawsuit or whatever that would blow back on him. But I'm glad that this wasn't just like a bunch of goofs crapping on the thing that they're supposed to promote and then kind of getting away with it, you know? Yeah, I thought this was very um had had an old school feel to it. That you had those um I can't remember what the uh the hosts Yeah, name was. I don't remember them my back in the day. But it was the um but it was the one with uh Hulk Hogan uh choking a guy out Richard and, Belzer. Richard Belzer's yeah, yeah, Richard Belzer, yeah, just going down and um uh yeah, and claiming all the issues revolved around that. Who was um there was another wrestler that attacked a a reporter backstage wasn't uh, it? David Schultz smacked the shit out of John Stossel. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and then there's another one of uh, this one didn't end in violence, but uh, you had a uh, Roddy Piper going hard on uh, Bill Maher. Bill Maher, yeah, Bill yeah Maher. that's yeah. right. Where he was just, again being like, that's very disrespectful, and you're making fun of this thing, and I'm here to do your show, and you're crapping on my livelihood. This is stupid. I, yeah. I don't know why. And first of all. Thank God that they did this because too much of all of it. I think a lot of the problems that stems even in the pro even in the product is from everybody just being like, eh, it's just a joke. Eh, it's not that serious. So it's always nice when I actually take it seriously. And I don't know why people are just constantly like, oh, but it's all a show. Like, you don't go up to you know, Travolta after Pulp Fiction, like, can you shoot me? <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's not a thing that you do. Like, why is it like, oh, well, since it's all a fucking circus, can you hit me with a stunner? Like, it's weird. All, all this stuff only happens to wrestlers. It, it, it does all just buy into the great perception that wrestling is, you know, silly. It's Oh, you guys do fake fighting, and oh, why do you watch that stuff? I mean, we we deal with it as wrestling fans all the time. People questioning mm -hmm. why you watch that stuff, and don't get me wrong, a lot of what we watch is pretty silly. Oh, it absolutely is. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's still people. It's still legitimate, like athletes, like people that work hard, train hard, do a lot of crazy shit in the ring, 
and get injured and you know yeah. we'll talk about that a little bit they do they do like you know i would say like they hurt each other they don't hurt intentionally hurt each other obviously it's all choreographed but it's a case of you're still taking those landings you're still bumping in the ring you're still taking those strikes to chest it's not like they're faking those big chops to the the chest or whatever that's still going to hurt and yeah everyone there's a lot of well, i'd say everyone but there's a a large amount of people that just think that it's all just you know like actors doing stuff on a green screen on a set it's like no these are these are people putting their bodies on the line for our entertainment and you probably should show more respect for it and i have a lot of uh give a lot of credit to grayson waller for standing up for it there and putting uh, those guys in their place um he's gone up in mine hopefully uh other people's es- estimations for that uh, i'd assume that wwe since he didn't do anything that would get them in trouble i'd assume that he got a lot of goodwill sent his way and you know earned a lot of brownie points because he did like la knight was like you know uh like we're not gonna do this like you know it's not enough to not like poke the bear with that but waller standing up for that i could picture triple h being like fuck yeah man like you really represented the company well there by not backing down and looking like an idiot and not going too far and looking like an idiot you hit the right level of seriousness and yeah it's like you know when they go on talk shows uh, you know somebody goes to like jimmy fallon's show and they talk about robert downey jr is like oh i'm not actually wearing the iron man suit and it's like oh but let's play a little game like what if you were you know can let's see if uh, chris evans can actually throw a shield like captain america or whatever that's a different level of like poking fun at yourself than what happens with pro wrestling because pro wrestling's presented as we know it's fake like as in scripted but we're going to play along with it and we know that you're doing these moves and you're actually potentially getting hurt. If you tell somebody that it's all bullshit and like, Hey, do, do your finisher to me and I'll get up and laugh right after whatever, whatever that is disrespectful. (laughs) It's a, you know, how can you approach it any other way than they're laughing at you and you are a guest on their show. They wanted you to do that show. And you're promoting an event that you want people to do that for. Are you going to ask a singer that's auto-tuned to be like, well, we know that you're auto-tuned, but can you sing without it so we can all hear your awful normal voice? You wouldn't be disrespectful like that. So it's because it's pro wrestling that people have this idea in mind that they can just goof on it. And well, you're all a bunch of stupid hacks and everything anyway, so it doesn't matter. You're not anybody that uh, we need to actually care about the perception for. And it's just a shame that it's even a, an issue, but I'm glad that he approached things the way that he did. And I'm assuming that that's going to work out well for him in the future, that maybe if he wouldn't have already been lined up for something big, that that'll be the thing that makes them go. Yep. Okay. He's going to be a guy that we can trust going forward. Honestly, it put him in a position where even though he just aligned himself with Logan Paul, he could one day fight Logan Paul based on that exact idea of like, you know, I left my home country for this. I left 
everything for this, and he now has some cred as one of those guys. And I think it's really, really awesome. So I got another uh, set of things for us to talk about that are all related to each other, unrelated to this. Um, but yeah, you brought up Austin Theory. He and Cora Jade and potentially Seth Rollins are injured. Austin Theory, it seems now after you know some time has settled from SmackDown, he had had this match with Carmelo Hayes, which stopped on a dime when um, they were trying to do. Was it a what's a C four that they were it trying to pull a, off? Yeah, it was a Spanish fly, top rope Spanish fly, and they landed quite awkwardly, and the match was immediately stopped. Yeah, it seemed like both of them potentially had gotten a concussion. Now it seems like you know Carmelo Hayes is fine. He was able to wrestle on NXT this week. Austin Theory, who knows how bad the concussion is, but. Tonight on SmackDown, maybe we'll get some kind of an indication of that. Maybe it's not as bad as everybody's assuming that it is. Maybe he's able to at least make an appearance or you know, maybe they've checked him out and he needs to just take some time off or whatever. I am assuming that it's bad enough that he's not going to be in the Royal Rumble, which is a shame for, you know, he wasn't going to win it, but no, still. He should be fine. I would well, it's, you know, they have to test him for everything I mean, before yes, they let him they do that. So. Back and said that both. Uh, Mello and Theory had facial contusions, and Mello wrestled. Why wouldn't Theory? Is this something that came out after that said Theory was actually more hurt? I had only seen things that said that Theory was in the concussion protocol stuff and not Mello. Because they had said they both checked him out. Well, this is also WWE's official thing that said they checked them both out, and Theory. It hit harder, so there is a potential for that. But I was under the impression that they were both okay. I hope so. I mean, maybe I'm missing out on uh, an extra report about that. But um, as far as I could find before, I didn't see anything that was like guaranteeing that he was. Maybe I'm just missing out on that, whatever. But uh, If that ends up being the case, I'm sure that that derails some of the plans. Not necessarily obvious. It's not like it's, a, you know, um, Austin Theory's a current champion or something. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Cora Jade, though, I still feel like she had something that she was going to be heading toward going, you know, at the course of WrestleMania and stand and deliver and all. She was, uh, she tore her ACL on a live show recently, meaning that she wasn't able to compete in the battle Royal that happened this past week, whether or not that changed plans for the battle Royal. We're, you know, might not ever know, but she was one of my top potential picks to win that. And for her to not be able to do that and going forward, she's going to be out for a, lo a long time. Like she, I think that the estimate was like nine months to a full year. Yeah, these ACL tears said up to a year. Yeah. These uh, torn ACL thing, which is like, that's the trend. Like everybody's just tearing their ACL. We don't see any kind of injuries for the most part that are like, you know, uh, Isn't it typically the women too. It's yeah, it seems to be. And a lot of it, you know, on the NXT side of it. So I'm wondering if there's something that they're not paying attention to in like the performance center training 
maybe they're like pushing too hard on that and they're kind of like they're weakening their legs in some way or like something about the way that they're teaching them is like they're taking falls the wrong way or something it's there's been enough instances in a short amount of time that it's kind of concerning to me and i can only just speculate because i don't know the the whole story of this stuff none of us do but it does feel like especially with the women's side of things there seems to always be a bit of a a desire to do a bit more to push a little bit harder to do a lot more i guess gymnastic and flippy style moves in matches Mm -hmm. and i mean if you are performing that stuff correctly or you're doing it repeatedly in a in 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 especially if you're wrestling multiple times a week or practicing multiple times a week then yeah it's going to take a toll on your body a lot sooner and and again i know this is a general a generalizing sweeping straight statement people can come after me if they want to on that but typically women have like less muscle density than men mm-hmm. do and so if they are taking repeat bumps on different body parts and suffering those kind of bumps and landings then yeah the likelihood is that it's going to cause more injuries i mean with uh, just from my perspective um as a soccer fan or football fan um that there are a huge number of acl injuries that female uh, soccer players suffer uh, compared to the men and it's been like i think that people have been trying to research and do a lot more information to try and see what they can do in order to prevent this scale of injury happening and probably the same thing should be happening in a lot of women's sports because and that, it's difficult for rest, wrestling as well because especially after the explosion in the importance of women's wrestling in the past five to ten years uh, there's always that trying to i guess like break forward and prove that they are at the same level as the men yeah there's so the that, the stigma that they need to yeah try to break which let's face it they still haven't been able to no of course not but and that but then because people constantly bring it up and i know people say we try and like i think it's the mindset of we judge the talent the same just like men and the women we'd kind of judge their the quality of their character story but i think we do need to make compensations for the in-ring stuff and that's not to say the women are worse. They just need to, they will just be doing things in a different way to the men can. Yeah, and they the can do thing some like- some things better. And there's some things that, as much as you want to be as politically correct as you can be and try to say everything's equal all the time with everything, it everything isn't equal in the same way that you know you can't picture Braun Strowman to do the same maneuvers as Dragon Lee. Like that, you cannot approach every person as being on the same equal playing field to do the same stuff at the same capacity wrestle the same style so when you know when becky lynch has a match it's going to be different than rhea ripley and when the women uh have their matches it's going to be different than the men's matches and you can't just be like okay well across the board you need to do everything the same exact way and there's a lot of things that the women do that are in many ways superior to the men. I think oh, yeah. women, the women do excellent submission stuff that some of the men can't do because they're not as flexible enough to sell in the way that the, the, the women can in certain submission. 
uh, positions. They are good high flop. They can be very good at high flying, and they've and they can do some very like dynamic lifts and moves that certain other men can't do. There's yeah, but as I say, if there is that constant pressure or that constant desire to exceed the men or to feel like they have to overcome the stigma that is always plaguing them and people continue to like downplay them or or then they're going to want to push themselves harder and if they push themselves harder they're more likely to get injured and so it's just this whole vicious cycle that i don't think there's any real solution to because well the, the solution is that people stop being dicks on twitter and stuff like that but that's never <laughs> ever gonna, yeah, that's that's never gonna happen it. So I think that, yeah, unfortunately, this is just going to continue until something changes and they find a way to better protect their protect their wrestlers from uh, these types of injuries, whether that is a just more paired back style. And also, yeah, also, it's just a it's a fallout of what wrestling is today. That you probably wouldn't have suffered this. Well, maybe you would have suffered that a number of injuries like years ago because the muscle injuries have come by the taking of steroids and other enhancements. But now it's just a case that people just work a much harder, more um, intense style mm-hmm. than we used to. And, used, and, and we also see people um, in longer matches than we used to. So it's just a case of, especially on house shows, because that's when you do longer matches, because that's when you practice and you you develop your stuff. The TV is where you see the shorter matches because you're just trying to fit into a time queue. Whereas the house show that you're not really on the same time pressure. So, yeah, it's it's, it's terrible, terrible news for Cora Jade. She um, seemingly was heading towards the NXT Championship and now has another setback to deal with. Unfortunately, because she just came back at um, deadline. I almost said bloodline at deadline and. She was about to finally get to that next level, and now she's got this setback. And if I'm honest, I just, when she's ready to go, I just put her on the main roster. At a certain point, that NXT level is just, you know, you can only work in the Florida loop so much. Uh, terrible. It's a terrible injury. And I think Pell made some great points there about style and about seeing what you can do to maybe you know maybe not have this be such a regular occurrence i think a great example of what working a consistent style like this can do to the body is actually mjf he didn't wrestle a lot right and Mm -hmm. then the one year he wrestles a pretty regular schedule regular, not even by WWE's old standards, regular by modern AEW standards, he ends the year a complete mess with the torn labrum and other injuries. So. It's weird because we're in a time frame where people are healthier than they've ever been in pro wrestling, arguably. And yet, because the style has been so demanding, you're running into more of the problems where, you know, Certain people in the past, they wrestle a style where they're not landing as much and they're not jumping around and, you know, killing their knees. And we've talked about it a million times too with the idea that, like, can everybody stop doing suicide dives if you are nearly hurting yourself every time that you're doing it? It's not worth it. And maybe you don't need to land so damn hard on your 
legs all the time just to make it seem a little bit more impactful. And I'd rather somebody put out 75% of the same type of match and be able to wrestle for the whole year than to do two matches at a hundred percent and be done for, you know, eight months. I completely agree. And I'd like to see a shift towards more of a classic fast paced TV style where even in the great matches that we see on dynamite and impact and all that, Sometimes I just don't want to see a match go through three commercial breaks when I'm watching Monday Night Raw. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, like, sometimes, if anything, it's like, oh my God, can this match just fucking end? It's like, yo, you can have a good six-minute match and then get more people on the show to maybe justify the fact that you have three hours, but that's I don't want to get on that soapbox again. Heartbreaking for Cora Jade and heartbreaking that it's not the only injury we have to talk about. So I was expecting Cora Jade to potentially win that title at Stand and Deliver. And I mean, we should might, might as well just talk about it now. The winner of the Battle Royal for this past week, which was a pretty interesting Battle Royal. Um, I don't think that they necessarily should have been calling it on the website Innovative Battle Royal, which is like <laughs> you're patting yourself on the back for something that's already existed. Like New Japan oh, does it every single year with the Rambo. No, no, they don't immediately do the fatal four-way and wwe hasn't done this so they they can get away with it it's still wwe you can still they can still suck their own you know what i mean i just think it was it's pretty sad to be like innovative battle royal like it's you might as well say like super awesome totally the best ladder match coming up or something but that ended up being a good spotlight for a couple different people maddie ronkowski had popped up she is ren um, Ren like Sinclair. A, Ren Sinclair. Uh, not a name I would have picked out of a hat, but yeah, cool. Had a sure. hell of a run too, and I think this is important because I just mentioned WWE lying. WWE did this weird thing that they don't do in the modern era because you can't, where they basically said, "Yeah, by the way, Ren Sinclair, as a result of Cora Jade's injury, beat Cora Jade in the match, and now she's taking her place in the Battle Royal, where it was reported everywhere." Cora got injured wrestling Lyra. But Ren Sinclair is now in the Battle Royal. She had a great show. I think she's a great talent. She's a former NWA Women's Tag Team Champion. She's got you know years under her belt that some of the women in NXT probably don't have. I thought it was really cool for her, and she lasted until the Final Five. Yeah, Final Five is a really good indication that they are... Approaching her as somebody that they want to build in the future, as opposed Approaching to... Approaching her as somebody who needs to fill the void of... <laughs> she can wrestle, and we need one that can wrestle right now. But I mean, like, they they treated her immediately as more of a big deal than some of the other people that have, you know, recently been, like, working their way through the system. Like, you know, Izzy Dame, for instance, has been doing quite a bit more now. She's been paired with Ke- uh, Keanu James, but handful of other talent i haven't seen anything really happening from like um danny palmer hasn't done much in a while they also get hurt i don't think that she was hurt she might uh, she might be maybe now i don't know um i haven't seen amari miller in god knows how long she just came back from injury and has been working level up oh okay good 
well, good that she's back. I mean, not that she was injured. Uh, Jakar Jackson, I think, was back from injury this time. Um, they seem like they're a little cold on not doing as much with uh, Carmen Petrovich. She had like a couple weeks there where she was a like, focal point. I haven't seen Valentina Ferois in a while. I don't know if she's injured or not. Bendy Chu's still injured, I guess. CV Turner's probably still injured. But good uh, showing for Ren Sinclair. They ended up having some spots for a lot of people in here. Ariana Grace had a little spot going on. Fallon Henley, one of the final four. Kilani Jordan pulled a Kofi Kingston. She got a little bit of a nod in that way. That was pretty neat. She's, she's really good. Yeah, I like her. And they went with Roxanne Perez, which... I was thinking could have been a potential for stand and deliver, but they're going to turn her heel and it's not going to, she's doing the Bob Backlund right now. (laughs) She's like, Oh, you think I'm so nice. I'm not going to let go of this cross face that I have on you. Honestly, if you're not going to fucking move her up the belt on her, he never lost the belt the last. Actually, there there goes again the Bob Backlund. Probably what Sean's doing. Uh, she never lost the belt. She passed out because she has anxiety and then gleefully watched Indy Hartwell grab it at Stan and deliver. She never lost. So maybe this is a way to get it back on her. Hmm. I don't know exactly what their plans were necessarily, and they've been bouncing around quite a bit with like the North American title and all. But I don't imagine all this has been working out the way that they thought that it was going to. But, um, yeah, I mean, if uh, if that's something that Core Jade was going to be a part of, you got to pivot eventually. I can see a world where maybe they wanted to do Cora and Roxanne. Yeah. Stand and deliver. I think that that might have been one of the plans, if not like maybe a triple threat. Still think it's going to be a triple threat for Dragonov and trick and mellow um, mellow and trick you know, continuing that story this week with the whole idea that uh, vengeance day is going to be trick versus Dragonov and mellow wants trick to focus on the tag title situation with the tournament finals being at that it's going to be trick and mellow against uh, Baron Corbett and uh, Brown breaker, the, uh, the wolf dogs, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're somewhat uh, given the moniker of a lot of these things that are happening in NXT right now are kind of feels like they're in a transitional phase. Like Von Wagner now wants to go after the heritage cup. Josh Briggs was wanting to go after that, but now Josh Briggs has JBL trying to promote him. So maybe they just decided to switch up a little bit. Oba Femi is heel. He's going to, Seemingly fight Dragon Lee at Vengeance Day. Um, JC Jane wasn't. Obafemi was the, the Nigerian prince that we've all been, you know, so told was going to come and give us all this money. He broke out. I want to bring up a point about that as well. Um, you won't, you probably won't recall, but um, back in our um, our awards. Uh, for the WWE that we did at the uh, end of the year. Check that out, by the way. Check both the AEW and WWE ones if you haven't done so already. Um, I, uh, You made a proclamation that you didn't think that anyone uh, who was part, was part of WWE's Next In Line program was going to do anything significant by the end of 
2024. Yep. <laughs> and, I, and I made, and I decided to go with the complete opposite prediction and say that somebody would be a champion at the end of 2024. <laughs> and and I literally like two weeks later, <laughs> it all just it all comes good. To, all comes up Callum House. <laughs> I, I just want to say, who was my one to watch? Over for me. <laughs> it took me like four days. <laughs> I uh, obviously um, not on the winning side of those things, but um, I'm totally down to be wrong when uh, when some good things are happening, and I'm interested to see what happens in the future with uh, Obafemi. But the I'm disappointed that he's healed though, because he's like people were vibing with him. So to hear that he's healed kind of sucks. But I get what they're doing. He doesn't want to do the open challenges, nor should he. He's a giant. But he'll probably defeat Dragon Lee at the uh, Vengeance Day and then continue being a dominant champion until getting the belt, giving the belt to someone new. Who I think at this point, my current prediction is that that's what Josh Briggs is going to end up doing. Because he's another big dude. You know, that's something we haven't really seen for the North American title. There's like a standard Haas battle with the exception of what, Lee and... Guy Jack, and even that was five years ago. I think this will be really exciting. And I like, if you're going to put JDL with somebody, Josh Briggs makes sense. He's a big dude, former tag team guy. You know, this could work better than the Baron Corbin thing. Baron Corbin and Braun Breaker, by the way. I enjoy watching them. It, I, yeah, I, I kind of like it, yeah. <laughs> I think it was a little too cutesy with the whole... Yeah, man, so I was thinking about us in the shower, and it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> but I think that this might be the best thing Baron Corbin has done consistently. And, Jed, if it's another tag team for the main roster and a way to get the uh, the new Steiner on TV, I'm all for it. Hopefully a way to get Rex Steiner. <laughs> I still want them to change that name. Um, but, yeah, they're not going to at this point. But the... Uh, other stuff from NXT, you know, most of it was just sort of, you know, whatever. The only other thing that really stood out to me was Lola Vice and Electra Lopez breaking up. Yeah. Because why? Lola a baby face now, I already got a message about that before. I got a message about that, and I got a uh, who was the other one where it was like, um, is this person a, a heel or, or something along those lines? Are they um, a heel because they didn't oh, like? They didn't count to three years. It's a very silly message. I also <laughs> saw it. Um, why did they have Lola Vice turn on Electra Lopez here? I don't know. I like some of these things make perfect sense. Like we talked before about Eddie Thorpe and Trey Bear Hill potentially being a tag team, and it's like, oh, cool. All right, you're heading in the most obvious direction. Uh, Jasmine Nix is a thing, and this Tracy Jane story. Sure, whatever's happening there, well, I'll follow that story. The Lola Vice and Electra Lopez thing doesn't make any sense because she's never even used that uh, that breakout tournament thing. So it's not like she had a shot, Electra Lopez cost her it, and then because she lost her chance to win the title, Lola Vice is mad and she turns. It was just like, well, let's have a tag match and then fuck you, I don't like you. What? <laughs> well, no, it was that, like, I get they do this constantly in Battle Royals where one will turn on the other. We just watched the 2014 Rumble where Dean tries to throw out Roman and Roman throws both Dean and Seth out. But 
this didn't make any sense because you should have at least had it established that Electra Lopez really wanted the tag title shot. Unless they're going with, well, is not a heel, she's a babyface. And she saw that Electra trying to use her. Because if not, then what are you doing here? And I'd like to say that I would assume that they're going to follow up on this next week and really make sense of it all. But I kind of have a feeling that they're just going to end up being like, this is what happened and we're going to have a match between them or something along those lines. Um, but we talked about these injuries, you know, the core Jade thing and all. We got to go back to Monday Night Raw and talk about a way bigger <laughs> story with that. Um yeah, some stuff happened on Raw that I don't think we really need to break down. There was a lot of filler this week with tag matches. There was another that were match in. that just stopped, didn't? Or was that that was last week with the with the Fabian Eicher thing? Uh, that wow, was that was, that was like game. three weeks ago or something, right? Oh, that was last week. Oh no, fuck. Yeah, it was, it was a little while ago. <laughs> I was a flat circle, but uh, yeah, with uh, Vinci being. Uh, Hold off, but Gunther returned. Said he's in the Rumble. I think this is setting up Gunther and Lesnar. So do we'll I. Talk more about that next week. Technically, um, a match did end sort of out of nowhere with uh, Xavier Woods throwing a chair at uh, Ludwig Kaiser, but that was like that was the plan. So it wasn't <laughs> like that was a, an injury. Um, I, I strongly, strongly, strongly hope this is leading to Biggie and Kofi being Royal Rumble ready. I hope so. But the big thing that did happen is we had the Jinder Mahal and Seth Rollins match for the World Heavyweight Championship that a lot of people were convinced Jinder was going to win. I don't really know why that was like such a big like eh, it's going to happen thing. I had said before, I think all we're getting is Seth Rollins retaining and doing some kind of a tease of a cash in that doesn't end up happening. And that's what we got. But we also got, unfortunately, an injury to Seth Rollins that seemingly right now could be a torn MCL. Yep. Uh, Fightful, Fightful Sean Ross Sapp has reported that the word from WWE and sources near Rollins is that he suffered a torn MCL and a partially torn meniscus. However, it is not known as of yet if he will require surgery. Though the hope is that he can avoid it, they're not sure how they're going to play it out on TV. Now, I hate this. If he's able to wrestle after having, you know, some rehab and to not need surgery and to not be like, you know, out of it. If he's able to wrestle at WrestleMania, at this point, it's fucking January 19th. WWE has spent an entire year plus just saying fuck most of these people like Rhea Ripley. She defended her title half as many times as she should have. Roman Reigns has defended or let's, let's put it this way. Roman Reigns has appeared an eighth or a 10th as many times as he should have, let alone wrestled and whatever. And clearly is not going to wrestle anymore. Uh, he's going to wrestle at the Royal Rumble in a limited capacity because the other three are going to do the majority of the match. And then he'll wrestle at WrestleMania. So we're going to spend four months and have 
two matches with Roman Reigns and like four or five appearances where they just cut the promos. Just keep Seth out there as, you know, not wrestling and let him rehab it and do the CM Punk match. I don't want any like, uh, man, he can wrestle, but you know, we don't really want to have somebody not wrestle in the meantime hypocritical approach because you're fine with having that with roman and then transition over and it's like what cm punk against like drew mcintyre or cm punk against anybody really i don't want the cody Rhodes cm punk match because cody can't win that title because it's not going to mean the same and if he loses again he's just being set up to lose to cm punk i don't want to see that i want cody to be you know to stay at the top and everything and there's nobody that has as good of a story with Punk as Rollins right now. So if you put anybody else in that position and you give the title to like, to I guess it would probably be Drew. And it's just Drew McIntyre wins and now he's the champion. CM Punk wins to Royal Rumble and he goes, you know what, Drew, you had some bad words to say about me as well and I'm going to challenge you. Yeah, on paper, it's a match. But my enthusiasm level is considerably lower. Now, of course, if Rollins needs surgery and he can't do that, then you're screwed. You can't just say, don't wrestle, and you can you know wrestle WrestleMania. But I'm hoping that he can. Because even if I don't think that that match is good, that's at least the marquee one that they were building up. And I don't want a WrestleMania 32 situation where you spend that time building some some stuff up and then you go, ah, the last minute we can't. But we'll come back to it eventually. I don't want to fucking see that next year at WrestleMania and spend the whole time waiting for that shit again. No, that's SummerSlam. Like, if, if it happens, that's SummerSlam. Um, I don't feel too comfortable making predictions until they say what he needs. But I think we just completely pivot. And I think I, I've said this before. Yeah, it's a, a hype dream, but we could end up seeing Austin headline one night of Mania and The Rock headline the other. And I, as far as the world title, make it Drew and Sammy and give Sammy the belt. Who cares? Not who cares. I think Sammy deserves the moment. But, like, there's... I'm not as worried about the World Heavyweight title. It's not, like, what Roman has. You know what I mean? I think there's plenty of ways to do it. You could do Sammy and Punk for all I care. You know what I mean? Like, that That would be a great match with you guys with somewhat opposing ideals. And I think you can make a lot of money with it. This, this thing with Seth sucks because his whole shtick has been... I'm a fighting champion to the point where if he ends up having to just sit out, out on the sideline so we can get to the punk match, it's not going to feel the same. I think there's a good chance that Priest cashes in on Monday and we figure out where we're going from there. I could see that being a temporary option that like That's what the money in the bank is used for. It's the get out of jail free card. Like they have like Rollins come out and say like, uh, you know, I'm a little banged up and whatever, but I'm going to do everything I can to keep fighting here. And, you know, I'm going to make it to mania and blah, blah. And then priest comes out, cashes in. And then that gives you know, a few weeks or so for Rollins to take some time off and not necessarily be traveling at all. I think it'd be 
I, I don't want this to happen. I'm putting this out there for anybody who thinks that this is what I, I want. Because what I want is Rollins to be fine and to just go along with the story and for Cody Rhodes to win the title from Roman Reigns and main event and all that other kind of stuff. But if you're in a circumstance where Rollins needs to vacate the title, I think it'd be hilarious if Adam Pierce is out there and he's like, you know, unfortunately you have to vacate the title, whatever he hands it over. And he's like, so over the course of the next couple of weeks, we are going to have, and then Damian Priest comes out and Damian Priest goes, I want to cash in my briefcase now. And it's like, well, there's no champion. He's like, yeah, I know. And then they just go, well, by default, you're the champion. It would be a first time ever that somebody would cash in on vacant. (laughs) And I think that that'd be hilarious to do. But then again, I also, I don't want to see Damian Priest versus CM Punk as the WrestleMania main event for night one, even though I like Damian Priest and I hope he wins the title. It doesn't work the same for me. So I also don't want to see Damian Priest win the title and then just lose it right before Mania and then have nothing to do if they don't have anything necessarily planned. They can't predict this stuff. And of course, some things are just like they've been dealt a bad hand. But it really makes me, again, go back to a thing that I've said before with WWE. Stop making people that are injured work like crazy and stop having people that aren't injured sit out and do nothing. And then you won't be in a situation where Seth Rollins has been quote unquote banged up for like eight months and you're right before WrestleMania. And then something like this happens. Why was Cora Jade sitting out as long as she was just to come back and do this? Why didn't they have her appear weeks prior to deadline. Did she need to come back at deadline? Nothing in the story dictated that. They just sat on her ass about that. I hate that situation. If they end up having a situation where Rollins needs to vacate the title, what are you thinking they're going to do, Callum? Uh, if he has to vacate the title, I don't know what necessarily they would do, but if it was up to me, I'd have Damian Priest catch in on this episode of Raw, beat Seth Rollins, you get your little like moments. Like Rollins would be like healthy enough to take a bump. So I'm sure I'm sure he'd be willing to t- to take the fall for uh for Priest to um to become the world champion. I would then have Sami Zayn beat him in at Elimination Chamber. And then I would have Sami Zayn versus uh, CM Punk at right, WrestleMania. Cool. Yeah, so like I'm also thinking... At and this point, I would... Go ahead. I would either have Sami Zayn beat CM Punk or I would have CM Punk win by turning heel. That is the right call. So you'd go from Rollins to Priest to Sami and then stick with Sammy over the course of how quick of a time frame? What was it? Well, between now and WrestleMania. Well, I mean, like, would you have like so pre- like, Priest would win pre- this Priest, week? Priest would win this week, and then he would go through. Well, I don't know what would happen at Royal Rumble, but um, so yeah, he would drop it in early March at 
Elimination Chamber. The end of February. Oh, end of February. Well, yeah, so he'd hold it for about a month. Would you have him lose in a match against Sammy, or would you have him defend it in the Elimination Chamber and lose in the Elimination Chamber? Like, the the belt's on the line, and it's like Priest, Sammy... uh, I think it'd be be quite cool to to have him lose it in the Elimination Chamber. I I actually think it'd be extra, extra funny to have him lose in... Well, I say funny, but it'd be good to lose it in the Elimination Chamber after being pinned by Finn Balor. That's uh, that was just about to go there. Priest. Then you get his match. Then he has a match at WrestleMania because he has a match with Finn Balor at WrestleMania. And in the meantime, uh, maybe Priest gives up his uh, tag title to like Dom to be like, all right, you two focus on that or whatever. And then that leads to some. They they drop the belts. On I, well, I think, you know, I think oh, I think that they lose the tag titles before Panned, or they're the tag team champions when the the elimination chamber thing happens, then like Balor, they they don't they kind of don't they don't immediately break up. It's just a case of Balor spotted an opportunity and took it to to win. And they're just kind of, hey, we're still teammates, we're still on the same page. I just I needed to, you know, it was every man for himself in that thing. And then they lose the tag titles on the road to WrestleMania to DIY or something. And then DIY versus Creed Brothers. Or something or like that. Or some, Alpha yeah, Academy, and match, whatever, yeah. Imperium New Day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and and see, then at that point, you have Sami Zayn as world champion defending against, which is a cool moment when he could have won it last year at Elimination Chamber. He wins it the following year, Elimination Chamber on a big show, gets to go into WrestleMania as world champion. It's like the Eddie Guerrero effect. And then, right. uh, yeah, and then on the other side of things, you have, um, yeah, Damien Priest is in a a marquee WrestleMania match against Finn Balor. And then you also have um, tag team titles on another team that can defend it at WrestleMania as well. So pretty much it, it resolves all areas, really. The alternative right. being that if if Rollins is healthy, again, by the time Elimination Chamber comes around, then he could win it in the Elimination Chamber again. And then you just revert back to the story. Just have him be the last person in the chamber. Yeah, so that way you exactly. mitigate the potential of another... Uh, reaggregating the injury. Yeah, but you still tell the the same story beats. I think now is now is the benefit of having a a non cashed in money in the bank. You've got that ability now that you wouldn't have necessarily had if you'd made a knee jerk position uh, several weeks or months earlier. So I'd, I'd say now's the time to utilize it to a good effect. And I'd say Priest is not. Priest could eventually one day be a more sustainable world champion, but you, I'd say you look at what Edge did. Edge, when Edge first cashed in, he lost it three weeks later. Then he became a main event guy afterwards. So if Priest just has his first reign, he's only a month long, but he then gets over off the off a feud with Finn Balor in the breakup of the Judgment Day and then can go on a run towards a more sustainable world title reign in the future or more sustainable like mid-card title reign in the future, then... He in the long run benefits. I mean, we aren't going to know, of course, like they're not going to say anything tonight on SmackDown. We pretty much know that they are going to show probably footage of that and be like, you know, this is a, you know, the the title was defended on Raw. Oh my God, like you should be checking out Raw because there's going to be some kind of an indication of what's happening with Rollins and try to build people to, you know, tune into the 
next episode just for that purpose, but they're not going to have Rollins address it tonight. They're going to have that on Monday. If that ends up being a title change, um, yeah, I mean, they're going to have to address it in some fashion. So we're going to have to <laughs> talk about that next week a little bit, but uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he's just fine and that we can you know stay the course and all. Um, that's the breakdown that I had going on outside of uh, the trios titles changing hands on dynamite which that wasn't the topic i planned on ending but i forgot to address that earlier in any other kind of transition uh i, I mean like the seth rollins stuff was the more important stuff but dynamite did have the rh six-man tag titles change hands hook had a great showing with samoa joe i thought that was tremendous um jericho seemed to tease death match with Ashta, uh, okay, and it it was a great episode. I think it would have been one more worth talking about if not for all of the other gigantic stories that hit. Yeah, I still think it's like still worth talking about in the sense that yeah, there was a lot of really good matches. The um, Christian Cage Dustin Rhodes was amazing. For I, I saw the interesting stat that they are as a combined age, they're only two years younger than the combined ages of Goldberg, Goldberg and Undertaker when they had their match in Saudi. Huh. In fact, they were able to deliver a, um, a much, much better match than that one is a, is a testament to their uh, longevity and, uh, yeah, just their wrestling fundamentals. But, yeah, the uh, title change was good. It's uh, nice to get um, to Jay White, his first Ring of Honor slash AEW gold. Um I, I, I do have to admit that I found the Tony Storm stuff on AEW pretty funny this uh, <laughs> this week. The um, I skipped uh, that. I didn't she, even bother to see it. <laughs> uh, she said she was going to sock Deonna Prazo right in her box. Yeah. Uh, she definitely said right in her box. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's... Uh, <laughs> That would be an interesting spot if it happened. Might have to make the uh, might have to make the uh, Tony, any interest in AEW after hearing that? Uh, not as much, so <laughs> uh, maybe um, I will see some future box socking <laughs> if they put the <laughs> clip on YouTube. Yeah. I think obviously the we could talk about the hook and smudge, which is just a great like 10 minute match and was a real kind of yeah, that that that's about as good as a a 10 minute match you're ever going to get for this uh for the world championship so kudos to both of them for putting it together but i think the most interesting thing out of the entire show for me was the young bucks interview the god-given names and all that yeah so the god-given names and now because i, I i'm as i remember hearing someone talk about it but i think that it bears repeating here about this whole loads of people would always get a bit of a hissy fit about the young bucks because feeling like they would use their status as evps to hold certain time down and give themselves prominent positions when realistically they did anything but they spent a lot of time in aw putting a load of teams over when they realistically could have positioned themselves a lot higher because of how good they are but now they seem to be leaning into this evp thing and going on a crusade of ridding aew of some of the has been superstars that have infiltrated it, which is an interesting long-term story for them because it's going to seemingly start with Sting and Darby Allen, 
but it's going to presumably continue past that point and it'll be interesting to see what sort of names they have on their hit list as part of that but i also think that something that might have gone a bit under the radar was there was a um a video package where sting and darby allen said that they're going after the tag titles didn't go under my radar i started screaming because it's what i've been pitching since they announced so, this whole thing so i think on an episode of dynamo or collision between now and revolution they're going to beat ricky starks and big bill to become the tag champions and then they'll lose the titles to the young bucks at revolution I like it. Um, I think it's a great... I'm not thrilled with the presentation of it, but I think it's a fun way to get them in the ring with Edge and Christian. I think it's a fun way to get them back in the ring with the Hardys. Um, I think it's a fun way to really get them to wrestle these different names that they haven't yet. And puts them back on TV and quite frankly the one thing that's been missing from all elite wrestling the past couple of weeks has been the elite so or that also and again this is a weird note to kind of end on but I think it's just like a funny little observation amazing diversity of mustaches in AEW oh yeah uh, Roderick Strong has like a half stash and Hanger has it's just growing this manly manly mustache it seems and it works for him I think and he looks, then, he's very, very Magnum T.A. now. And then there's uh, Inspector Cusco with the, the Bucks. Mm. And I, I, I like it. I don't know why the stash is in in 2024, but I guess here we are. It shouldn't be. <laughs> People look stupid. Knock it off. Shave. I say that as a, somebody who tried to rock a stash at one point in my life and fully regrets it. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I mean, any other stories that we didn't necessarily talk about, remind us about it in the comments. We will continue that on and, you know, we'll carry things over into next week. I do want to update everybody that I did, in fact, put up the Royal Rumble predictions contest. So you can see the, at least on YouTube, if you're looking right now, you can see the link to the form. You can find the form naturally of course on the sidebar of smartcoutmoment.com if you go to the you know normal uh royal rumble pages and stuff you can find it there too this is all bragging rights for everybody else that's participating on this but this is going to factor into the fantasy league stuff so when we predict our side of it that's going to you know be a a more intense version of how we normally do our pay-per-view predictions but Next week, we'll get into the Royal Rumble pay-per-view point stuff that we would normally do. Talk about all the match winners and our general ideas of, you know, who's going to be in the final four, who could be the Iron Man, the Iron Woman, who's going to get the most eliminations, who's going to be eliminated the fastest, and potentially even who number one to 30 will be for those matches and all. So stay tuned for that stuff coming your way. Of course, stay tuned to everything else that is going on. SmartCoutMoment.com and FanboysAnonymous.com and the other things that you can find on the link tree on AMangoTree.com or AnthonyMango.com, both the same. Go and follow all those accounts, including my personal Twitter, Facebook, and so on. I'm still not going to change the Twitter thing to the X logo all over the place because screw it. I don't want to. 
but uh, it's going to be Twitter forever for me. So that stuff is at Tony Mango. And if you are over there on Twitter following me, you should also follow Robin Callum, too. Yep. Follow me everywhere at Dude Felice and check out my work on Fightful.com as well. Callum? You can find me on Twitter at Wigmeister14. Check out the Power Rankings every Saturday where I rank the WWE Superstars. And you can also check out the Fantasy League, as we mentioned before, which will have some impact from the Royal Rumble predictions. And we'll see how many points the people are getting because the Royal Rumble is a always a big point swinger because of the Royal Rumble matches themselves. Um, yeah, so check all that out and see. Um, and uh, yeah, see uh, what how he continues to progress towards WrestleMania. Okie dokie, everybody. That means we're done. Episode 633. We want to thank you for joining us for this. And we want to thank you in advance for checking out next week's content. We're going back and check out the previous stuff. We will see you when we see you. Adios for now. This has been another Smart Count moment. And we are being counted out.